All right, we're going to do a clap. One. Wait, only one person. <laughs> do it. I thought this was a group activity. I was so excited. No. I don't know what we means. <laughs> Mark. You know, we could buy a clapper. <laughs> we don't need it. We have one. It's unnecessary. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Hypercast, the very first episode of the official podcast from Hyper Rabbit Power Go. We're very excited to be here. Brand new year, doing something very, very new. This is the first time we've had all four of us at the table together to just talk. Burrito! Ooh. And yeah, and Zach ordered us burritos, which I will not eat on stream because I don't think you want to watch me and listen to me scarf down food. You were smart about it, Lucas. You already ate it. That burrito is gone. <laughs> what are you talking about, Adam? There's a whole market of people that would watch you eat burritos. Probably. Now that you're talking about burritos. But maybe not this close to the microphone. I think uh, when I eat food, my mouth turns on and my brain turns off. Same. Mm. I'm like, oh, this flavor, this flavor. Oh, I'm on a show right now. Probably should pay attention. <laughs> mm. I, I agree. So for those of you who don't know, we... Oh, uh, good we, burrito. Oh, how's that, how's that secret aioli? Uh, the aioli that came in a home Tupperware tin. I don't know where these burritos came from. It was a new pop-up on Grubhub, and I was like, okay, I'll go for it. This just came from someone's this, house, probably. Honestly, the way the tortilla, these feel like tortillas you buy at the grocery store. They're not homemade, but honestly, it's a good burrito. Mm. And this aioli <laughs> is choice. Well, anything that throws in free Tupperware with any order is like worth it to Lucas me. is like, I'm going to use this for my dog as a water bowl. Yeah, he'd love that. That's two drinks for him. <laughs> Um, so because this is the first episode, I, I wrote something that I'm, that sort of gives you an idea of kind of what the show is. I'm sure after doing this for about three weeks, I'll actually have it memorized. But basically the idea of this show, this is a brand new weekly show where you, the audience get to hang out with us, talk about stuff we're passionate about, what we're working on behind the scenes and answer some of your most burning questions. Uh, if you're a member of our Patreon, you may have had a chance to submit questions for this episode, and you'll be able to do so for every episode in the future. If you want to find out how, go to patreon.com slash hyperrpg, or click the link in the description. Anyone who's in the Hyper Homie tier or above can ask some questions. And we did have some people submit questions, so I'm excited to go through them. They were and a lot. They oh, were a nice. lot. And I want to point this out. I We don't necessarily want the questions to be related strictly to movies, TV, Marvel, DC, Star Wars. This podcast is not really about entertainment. This podcast is about how we are incorporating tech and pushing the boundaries of interactive storytelling on Twitch, on YouTube, and on all platforms in the future, and, and how we're going to incorporate all this different tech to basically help us do that. So it's not really about whether or not we thought Watchmen was good. It was. It was great. Um, but we wanted to do something that's a little bit more, that plays into the strengths of what each of us do here, because a lot of people necessarily don't know that there's four people behind the scenes running stuff every week. Yeah. I don't think they know what we do. <clears throat> exactly. They probably just think I'm that annoying person that talks about comic books <clears throat> with you. And just shows up in the background of Hyper Heroes episodes yeah, every yeah, once yeah. in a while. And they're like, oh, God, get him. Go. Go away. <laughs> I definitely come off as a freeloader in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I just walk upstairs and Hector whistles at me. <laughs> I'm just eye candy. Like, who's that handsome boy over there? <laughs> yeah. And then you just have the dogs on the couch and they're just like. You just <laughs> referred to yourself as eye candy. And, and this is the most Lucas way to start this podcast. <laughs> Uh, it's my favorite agree. thing. It's my agree. favorite thing. Uh, at any point during the show, consider subscribing. Hit the like button right underneath the subscribe button. It helps out the channel. It helps us out. And uh, let's get this video podcast out there because Woo. I'm really excited to just spend an hour or so talking to you guys and hanging out because the most time we ever get to talk to each other is in the office when we're all just like working and doing different things or during our stand-up meetings, which is usually just like a daily check-in. Mm -hmm. um, rapid fire. Yeah. Get through what very, we're very on. rapid fire. 
But Malika, let's start with you. Oh, hi. What's your role here at Hyper? I am the CEO at Hyper RPG, mm. but uh, as a CEO of a very small company that I run out of the garage of my house with my husband and my brother-in-law and my roommates, that encompasses a lot of things. Um, I'm mostly in charge of the social media on the Hyper RPG um, social media accounts on Twitter and Facebook, on Instagram. Uh, I also do a lot of sales stuff, getting other clients for us, sponsorships for the channel. And then I'm also a face that talks sometimes. <laughs> Just a I say head. words. <laughs> mm. The rest of the body isn't important. Of course. <laughs> I did notice that about you. <laughs> uh, hey, everybody. I'm Zach. I am technically the CCO, but I feel like labels are pretty loose here. I'm uh, the owner of Hyper RPG and started it with Malika years ago and, uh, you know, work on everything. Uh, I mean, I do a lot of editing for the company, a lot of show development, a lot of uh, tech. I definitely feel like I'm the company tech guy. When something breaks, I get um, called to come try to figure it out. And that that's primarily, I mean, I feel like all of us here, it's like the list of what we do could go on and on. I think we all have specialties but we all participate in helping in every department. It's like a 12-man crew run by four people. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's that's probably being generous. <laughs> yeah. The only yeah. thing is when it comes to making sure that paperwork is signed and people get paid, that's Malika. We don't fuck. Oh, hi. We don't, <laughs> we don't mess with that. Um, We're not going to touch that. Budgets, bookkeeping, producing, contracts, yeah. legal, boring stuff. We'll help on everything but that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, most you people, most people on YouTube know me. Uh, I'm Adam. I primarily run everything related to hyperheroes, whether it's the show and the social media. Um, I also help with a lot of the tech stuff, running shows here on the weekdays or weeknights live on Twitch, um, and also helping you know to develop any any sort of idea for a show or anything that will help us as a company grow and and just continue to push that boundary of storytelling um, and interactive storytelling. And yeah, I mean. For about what was it, like two years, two and a half years, I was kind of just like living with you guys. And I just, mean, you still are. I mean, I'm, I still, still am. Are. I still am. <laughs> and we would just kind of come in and do Hyper Heroes, and it didn't really become like an official thing until September, where it was like, hey, do you actually like want to? We can afford to have you on. Do you want to come on board? And I was like, yeah, maybe that'd be a good idea. We've had different compensation schemes for you for a long time. I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's been very, very, it's been very interesting for the last three years. But it's cool to be a part of the team officially, uh, especially now living here. I remember you guys mentioned in the last house when we lived there, I would always kind of like go into my room and I would just quietly go to work mm-hmm. <laughs> and no one knew what yeah. I was doing. And they're like, does, what, does he even do anything when he's in there? But we put all our bodies in the same office now, mm-hmm. which I think has been extremely helpful. Yeah. We just need to get Lucas in there. Yeah, I'm kind of a... I'm a, a bit of a drifter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm either downstairs, upstairs. Hey, man, turn that, <laughs> off, turn that off. Uh Yes, I'm Lucas. I'm an executive producer here. Uh, I just kind of like concept shows. I uh, I come up with pitches for new ideas. Uh, I also run a lot of tech and stuff. And uh, we all kind of like switch off, the three <clears throat> of us here. We switch yeah. off between like who's running the board and stuff. If there's a thing that needs to be plugged in, I know usually what end goes to what end and uh yeah i just kind of help out where i'm needed yeah adam's getting there we're teaching adam uh, i didn't yeah. know anything about any of the tech here before i started other than like turn the camera on hit record you're learning very quickly thank god you're thank a, god. a smart tech man uh, you're learning quick enough to be upset when someone plugs something in the wrong way 
a lot of us, uh, I think, important to note, a lot of us come from uh, a lot of different backgrounds that yeah. make this company work for us to be able to have wear so many hats. Uh, Zach you want to go like around the other way yeah. now? Sure, sure. I come from more of like a, uh, you know, I majored in film production. Uh, I've been freelance editing and shooting stuff since college uh, for about, you know, about the last 10 years. Um, so I have like a lot of sort of just experience of being a one-man crew. Uh, just making stuff from start to finish uh, as far as video content. And then about five years ago, um, Zach and I started working on the Twitch end of things, live broadcast. So I'm getting more and more into that. And also writing. I like writing, and I've always been sort of a writer person. Uh, I came from visual effects, which a lot of people know, but I worked in 3D conversion for a few years and mixed that between conventional, regular, traditional visual effects. And then... This crazy idea spawned in my brain of like, hey, maybe we should talk about movies and TVs and superheroes on YouTube. And so Augie, or Augustine and I, we brought in Hector and we started doing that. And then as everyone probably knows, we were at Superhero News for a while. Things didn't really work out. The weird thing that happened is like simultaneously we had started working with Zach and it was like, well, why don't you just come here and do stuff with us? And I had been doing some sketches with Hector. Yeah. I had, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, Lucas and I used to have a production company called Aren't We Clever? AWC, and uh, we thought we were, <laughs> <laughs> and we did a couple comedy sketches with Hector, yeah, and had the burrito been one out with him through UCB, so and yeah. that was like, oh man, we want to do more stuff with Hector. Yeah, yeah. So it kind of all worked out, and here we are, three, four years later, mm-hmm. yep. five years later. Good I Lord. come from the world of fine art with a emphasis on Baroque painting styles. Mm. I have a master's in painting, and that somehow ended up here. Uh, while I was in college getting my master's degree in painting, I started really getting into video production and ran a production company out in Kansas City for a while and then moved out to L.A. to start up Aren't We Clever? And we did commercials, we did short films, we did pilots, and that's kind of how we got involved with the Twitch stuff, too. We did a pilot that Felicia Day was executive producing and started talking to her about Twitch through there, and now we're here. Weird. Well, speaking of the world of fine art, I also came from that, except for I focused on sculpture, like really weird esoteric stuff that people like don't understand. Um, and then I was like, well, screw that. I also really love art and technology. So instead of doing more of that for graduate school, I pursued a master's degree in interactive media and entertainment and games. And so after that, I, um, well, while I was going through school, I worked as a marketing director, which still informs a lot of my social media decisions today. I was a marketing director for a chocolate company, so I know how to sell to people things they don't need, which is very important here at HyperRPG. Wait. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, now you understand me more. (laughs) And then, um, you know, as I was going through school for my master's degree and then finally working in the industry, I did a lot of interaction design, stuff for cars, stuff for Intel, and also mobile games, video games, tabletop games all sorts of stuff, love designing things, and uh, unlike a lot of you guys, you guys worked in a lot of like one-man band kind of situation, I've worked on a lot of teams that are kind of small to enormous, and so I think I learned a lot from how to facilitate communication and teamwork, team building, a team culture, which I am kind of revisiting very heavily as CEO. I think that covers it. Hot dog. Mm -hmm. Here's a question I don't think I've ever asked you. How exactly did you even figure out what Twitch was? Lucas and I, strangely, if you want to know who started all of this, Iffy Wadiway. That doesn't surprise me. Iffy knew what Twitch was. Yeah. And Iffy invited me first over to Greg Grunberg's old studio. Was Uh, Greg Grunberg the 
the brainchild of our current chain. <laughs> <laughs> if you think about it, the guy that died in that, uh, that Star Wars movie. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers. Um, so he invited me over there. I had never heard of Twitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as a big nerd, I just immediately started being like, oh, oh, this is cool. And then I just started asking a ton of questions. What do you mean it's live? What do you mean that there's you know an active audience? And then Lucas and I just kind of started working there. And then before you knew it, it kind of felt like we started kind of indirectly taking over. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Lucas and I ever fully jived with that audience. So we were always looking for like a way to grow it in an interesting standpoint. And we started doing Aren't We Clever a little bit on the side to test out some of these things. But we really took everything we learned and pitched it to Geek and & Sundry and LDN. And that's where... Geek and Sundry's live network came from was the stuff we had learned from doing stuff with Greg Grumberg over at Socialtron Live and our own channel and just kind of seeing what we could do there. But I think for me, the most interesting aspect of it all that has always got me the most excited was open API and live audience feedback. Mm-hmm. I had done Kickstarters for shows. <laughs> I had worked on commercials and all this stuff. And I want to be a storyteller. That's where I got from painting to then filmmaking was just telling stories. And this idea that you could be telling a story and have an audience give you feedback and feel the flow of what they're moving with in the moment was really exciting to me and still is the most exciting aspect of what we do to, to feel that chat room and its flow and base your decisions and how you move forward on that group thinking I find really fascinating. And I think that what that's what really separates YouTube from Twitch is like mm-hmm. they're two very different. Like the way you interact with the content is very, very different. Oh, mm-hmm. definitely. We don't even think of them as the same. Yeah, the content's totally different. And when I first got hired at Geek and & Sundry and then brought Lucas in, like it was to be a YouTube showrunner. I was supposed – because I had done a ton of work for Seventeen, Awesomeness, all the stuff directing and uh, cinematographer for a lot of their unscripted content. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of beauty videos. I did a lot of fashion, beauty, makeup tutorials. Uh, A lot of things where you thought it was a YouTuber at home by themselves, but there's a crew of 20 people on the other (laughs) side. Yeah. Shooting some rented house. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we worked on that. We worked on the... um, the charity stream that kicked off the channel yeah. and you brought me in like a few months earlier and I was sort of producing it with a couple other friends. Mm-hmm. And, uh, whenever we kicked it off, uh, I remember it was a 48, 72 hour, 48 hours. It was like two or three days of just nonstop content. Uh, and I don't think we slept, uh, and we were just like the whole time we were putting on this charity stream, we had people that were working in this large building coming in and be like, what's going on? Because there are so many people that are watching this and we didn't expect it. And it like as we were producing this show, uh, this 48 hour show and thousands of people are watching, like I think everyone started to realize this is going to be a thing that we have to take care of and we have to make daily content. And they have to hire Lucas. Yeah. <laughs> and they got to hire that full time. <laughs> yeah, we kind of forced their hand on that, but. Yeah, I don't know how much I can say. I'm always like, huh, what is under NDA technically and what's not from back then? But it depends on. How I much never you signed care. anything, so <laughs> if you need any dirt, spill it, Lucas. <laughs> honestly, I don't know if I ever signed an NDA. I never either. signed a single paper. <laughs> they didn't have me under contract so Wild West, when I was probably. when I left. Yeah, they were really worried because they were like, oh no, he could go tell everyone. So they tried to get me to be like, we're gonna do this a certain way when I quit. And then immediately they kind of turned their back on that. I was like, man, if I was a bad person, I could really, really just 
dive into all this dirt, but I don't want to live that way. I yeah. don't want to like be a person that just releases dirt on the internet. But yeah. um, our starting budget for running all of that network is like a six month runway of only like 50k. Mm-hmm. So we had to put out a full slot of shows, build a set, pay crew. It was like 50K. I was like, this is going to run out in a month. But mm-hmm. we made that thing profitable within like two months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We just, yeah, profit. I mean, the first, I mean, the first day we were, we were like, we passed a thousand subscribers, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Things were different back really then. Really blew up. Yeah. yeah. Things were very different That kind then. of content had not been seen yet. And now there's a lot of it. And um, yeah, and things work a lot differently on Twitch now. It's, you know, like just a different, it's a different culture on the platform. So, you know, we don't really focus on that kind of content anymore. I would say that's also probably the biggest misconception about making content out here in LA is, and they, sh- I, I don't assume any, I should never like expect anyone to understand this, but it is so expensive yes. to do what we do here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah. and in some ways, rightfully so yeah. to protect people for sure. In other ways, silly you know like it stifles innovation at times Mm -hmm. but luckily for us twitch is the wild west live media production for an internet format is still the wild west even now after five years of lucas and i doing this uh the unions don't know how to clear it yeah they they just don't know what to do with it yeah i mean youtube too like the stuff we make for youtube is just ever-changing yeah and like we're just constantly having to adapt to whatever that is and i'm sure you'll talk about that more Oh and yeah, with and your it, topic, and it's a <laughs> and it's a bubble that's constantly bursting. Yeah, you know, like even just today, college we, humor. We got we just news. laid off hundred yeah. people. Yeah, yep. and it's and <laughs> a lot of the media companies that Lucas and I have worked for, partnered with, they're no more. They're, yeah, you know, um, and I have a lot of theories on why that stuff happens, and that should be a topic for another day. Because this yeah. is year five. Yes, right, yes. year five. I mean, as the now bookkeeper of Hyper RPG, we're very careful about our books. Like, very careful. Oh, that uh, social media software charges $15 a month. Can we afford that? Good. Excuse and me, are these K-Cups name brand? <laughs> <laughs> Who ordered these? Yep. <laughs> Who ordered we have an Amazon coffee. deal where we can yeah. get boxes of them for eight eight dollars <laughs> it's 15 cents per cup well that's the thing I, I, again going back to sort of like not having any idea of like we because we have people coming through here every day and, and there's sometimes like upwards of 10 to 12 people a day mm-hmm. you have to consider all those little things oh yeah cups yeah. you know coffee snacks toilet paper, toilet paper mm-hmm. just everything we're a everything. studio and there's certain things parking by lo- parking, huge. parking. Yeah. yeah there's certain things by law that we have to provide mm-hmm. i mean one thing that I really am proud of Malika and myself and running this company, we are a f- by the book. Yeah. More by, and I will say this since I didn't have an NDA with Legendary, more by the book than LDN was. Mm-hmm. We are more. We're very legally, legitimate as a business in terms of compliance. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. We communicate with our lawyers a lot. <clears throat> uh, we are communicating with ADP a lot of the new laws that are coming out. And, you know, we want to do this as officially as humanly possible to fall within the right line of ethics. We mm-hmm. want to be an ethical company as much as we possibly can. And I don't think people realize how much of the entertainment entertainment industry, especially for YouTube and Twitch and things like that, isn't. Yeah. Uh, they just try to skirt by, but that's really dangerous because you'll eventually get in trouble and you'll just disappear or you'll have a lawsuit or something else. But you might get lucky. You might be able to get away with it. Mm-hmm. But we try really, really hard. and I don't think people realize how expensive that is. Doing it 100% by the book, I mean, I think a lot of people probably assume that a majority of our money 
goes towards you know Our talent pockets. and and pocket and you know like we are not a profitable company and a lot of startups aren't it's usually going to those services it's going to legal it's going to insurance it's going to taxes uh, insurance is huge we pay a lot in insurance all types of insurance yeah, yeah. renters workers insurance comp. workers compensations insurance they want us to pay workers Re- comp for people who only health get, insurance yeah they want us to pay workers comp for people who are only here three hours a week as a private contractor you know that because what adds up because there's a fight between the people who are selling you the insurance and have the power to audit you and what's considered um, compliance according to the law mm-hmm. and so it's it's not always like um, right. black and white and nope. I'm always like negotiating and trying to do the right thing as a person yeah. uh, as a person who and lives and how do we keep the company yeah, alive in California a lot of these laws happen for the right reasons I, I'm mm-hmm. not angry about covering people and, and to be fair those private contractors legally don't have to be covered by our workers comp uh, but our insurance company to keep them from being liable for certain things like they want it covered so there's that constant fight and that push pull mm-hmm. that we'll just randomly get like a six thousand dollar bill as a small company and we'll be like huh what how why and, and then that'll eat up three days of my time trying yeah. to get to the bottom of it did you, you know? think we were going to talk about all this stuff adam yeah i hope so <laughs> i mean i think it's super interesting and insightful because i think for the regular audience you know as consumers, we sometimes just watch stuff and we don't, oh, yeah. we tend to not always think about the behind the scenes stuff. I mean, and for us, it might be a little bit different because we know what it takes to make a video of a certain type yeah. or, mm-hmm. or put on a production of a certain size. Right. You know, and when you see, uh, as viewers of content, when you see people like Collider, College Humor, and all these companies, you know, screen junkies going through different hands, mm-hmm. uh, falling, changing strategies, all these kinds of stuff, yeah. I think it is very. Hard to understand as a consumer when you just expect content to be there mm-hmm. to understand why these decisions happen and what kind of hard choices have to be made all the time just to stay above water. The tiniest law change can cost you thousands of dollars. That's an employee. That could be a whole show. Yeah, you we know? talked to, I think it's important for creators to know too because, I mean, we have people that we've worked with or, you know, you see it happen all the time of people that. Like, especially, like, people that we've worked with, we'll, we'll come in contact with them. I think maybe they think, like, well, I could do it better or I could try it my way. Uh, I don't like the way they did that. So, you know, they'll try their own thing, and, like, those things can just die out, and the flame just goes <coughs> out so quickly if you don't know what you're doing. Uh, not that I know that or, anyone that or has done that, but... not understand that they'll, they'll think that I can do it myself, mm-hmm. which, in a lot of ways, certain power things to you. are easier to do yourself mm-hmm. because you you can just do it as yourself. Yeah, we have to do it as a business. But we should like we should make it clear how hard it is to have like thirty people walk coming through your door and getting paid yeah. every week. Yes, that's like yes. that's something that if you want to try, you you really need to know what you're getting into. And oh, we yeah. yeah, we pay everybody here something I'm extremely proud about and I process that payroll <laughs> once every two weeks. I have a little plug. If those of you who are a content creator or curious about the legal and the money side of things, I was on a talk with our attorney, our CPA and a financial planner and some other influencers who are Twitch streamers at TwitchCon. You mm. can find that uh, talk on our LinkedIn. Oh yeah, we'll link it. Nice. Yeah, we'll link it down in the description. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of really helpful info in that mm-hmm. in that uh, panel. Yeah, and I think for the most part, probably people have assumed that you know we're just like four friends making content together, which no, like I don't which like these we people. are. I, don't like, know. Yeah. <laughs> I was forced to sit next to Lucas, so you know it's it's fine. But it's like that's one part of it. Then the operations and the running. I mean, you inherited this position Hi. of CEO. Yes. How challenging was that? Um. 
And how much did Zach screw it up? Uh, <laughs> Zach did a pretty good job. Yeah. But one person can't do everything. Zach is an incredibly creative person. And I say this, you know, not as his spouse and as somebody who loves him. I mean, he, I love him. But um, I, uh, I think between <laughs> Zach and Lucas, they have a really um, strong, like, untrainable, intrinsic um, kind of feeling and pulse on what works as live content. Like, you can't go to school for that. Like, you just have to do it. And we you put, have to do it. We put in our 10,000 yeah, hours. Yeah, like yeah. hours and hours, yeah. days and days, years and years now. And when Zach is getting bogged down with, like, legal or bookkeeping or spreadsheets, which isn't something that you enjoyed doing, nor was it a personal strength no. or something that you were trying to grow doing. I was like, this is a waste of his talents and time. Whereas um, I focused also on creative, but I had an experience as a marketing director, mm. doing financials. Uh, my mom was a bookkeeper and yeah. worked for a bank. And, my and sister studied accounting. So I was like, I can, I can do this to help you and help the team so that we can make more innovative stuff. And, and I know sometimes we say, like, I don't know if Coloc could have happened. No. If, if I was like, still the CEO, Coloc yeah. wouldn't happen. And I think this was a decision, making Malika the CEO was a decision we came to together. And a lot of it was like, yes, I, I'm not good at this. I'm, there are things I'm good at. There's things of understanding uh, how certain things go. And I, and I thought I was going to have a lot more help in certain areas I was not good at. Uh, but I didn't. And I had to pick it up as I went. And I negotiated some huge contracts. You know, the Power Rangers stuff was completely months of me locking mm -hmm. myself in an office and negotiating contracts and being way out of my depth yeah and but figuring it out and going through it and we didn't have legal representation right. back then and that was a mistake on my end mm -hmm. that's my fault you know uh we'd be in a much better place as a company if i knew how to properly protect us back then but i was just like i gotta figure it out and that wasn't my specialty. And I know that there were entire months of our company where I would just disappear into the office. And I was not involved. I lived with you and I didn't mm -hmm. see you yeah, sometimes. Yeah, I would just, I would not be involved with any content. I wouldn't yeah. be putting out the stuff that I know we should be putting out. I would just be like trapped in an office. And I know Malika's having to go through a lot of that now. But I'm still there to kind of help. Through and I things. was there to help during that right. time too. And, but I think for the future of the company, there's a, a lot of reasons we decided it was best for Malika to be CEO. It does unfortunately pull her away from creative and she's also extremely creative, but we, you know, diversity and representation at Hyper is extremely important. And, you know, we have always tried to hire that way, which might be a little confusing right now when you're seeing here's three white guys and Malika. Hi. But a lot of this because <laughs> we feel very proud that a lot of people of color and women who've worked for our company have left to do bigger and better things. They didn't get fired. You know, they grew up and they moved on and that's great. But we were looking at a position. It's like, here's the future of our company. We're not putting our money where our mouth is. And it's really important to me as this company grows and moves forward that someone who can speak to those experiences and has proper knowledge of living like that, which is Malika, not me, oh, is put in the position to represent the company because as long as I was the head of the company, a lot of us just saying how we want to put those voices forward could come off just like talk. And I think it's really important that we put our money where our mouth is and put Malika in charge and say no. And Malika naturally is going to be thinking about those things more because you live it. 
Oh, yeah. We'll just be thinking about <laughs> problems and we'll be thinking about creative. Naturally, we're ignorant to some of these things and Malika will like smack us and be, you know, like, no, we have to do this. And we can have the best intentions and still be ignorant to not being able to do, you know, just like getting bogged down with things that we don't live every day. So it's important to have someone who lives it to be able to speak to it, represent it, and put action towards it. So. And then I've asked also... Um, had to learn a lot about speaking on these topics because I don't represent every like non-white person. Yeah. I don't represent uh, every range of di ability, disability, um, you know, LGBTQIA. I've only, I only know my own um, kind of experiences. So I've also had to reach out to my own mentors, other people of color in the entertainment industry to seek guidance on how to speak on these kinds of things and how to advocate properly. And so, that's happened a lot in the last year. Yes, You've a been lot. on panels. Uh, you've been able to represent hyper in really unique ways that I could never do. And more and people it, have reached out yeah. because I They've, We want to CEO. be there, and it's just the, the, the way things are. If I'm the CEO and I'm the face and I'm the one trying to make these decisions, there are going to be people of color within the industry who are going to be like, he doesn't understand. And I can want to, but it doesn't change their perception. And the minute we put Malika in place and she starts making decisions, some of those people felt comfortable enough to come forward. And we've had great working relationships. And I don't, when I say those things, I don't want anyone to misconstrue that as a negative thing. That's just the way things are. Just like no matter what, I will be ignorant to certain things. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be. And I want us to be a better company. Well, and like also not to throw any shade on anyone, but I think a lot of the people we've worked with have expressed uh, you know, they've had some very uncomfortable situations with the people that they've worked for. Yeah. Uh, and they would like someone more comfortable in those positions right. to be around. And, and we that, can that's just a thing in Hollywood that mm -hmm. yeah. we're all trying to make better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would say right then and there, uh, I don't want to act like that what we're doing is the best now either. We can do better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We can do better. I mean, we want to hire more people. We want to have a more diverse crew, but we're broke and <laughs> we're out of money. So we have to overcome certain hurdles to then get to the next ones, you know? <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, that, that's, I feel like we've gone real deep. Into that's this. us, Hot Adam. Now what? Hot Hot dog. Dog. That's us. <laughs> we just went real deep into this. Tell us what to talk about next. <laughs> Looking at the big picture for the new year. So like, I think we did a lot of amazing stuff last year, mm -hmm. especially oh, yeah. at the tail end of the year with stuff like Post Ghost, oh, yeah. which I thought was so fun and so different from that anything that we've done so before. So cool. The final episode of Post Ghost is my favorite thing we did as a channel all yeah. of last year. And mm -hmm. I don't know if that was the heavy medication I was on or if it really... <laughs> I don't know, man. I was literally, I was operating camera crying. I literally Aww. shed tears. Kyle... One of the performers, yes. we could hear him wailing outside. Oh. He was outside, not on camera, <laughs> crying his eyes out. Oh. It's a very emotional, funny, good time. Yeah, and that to me is the power of this kind of content where it's just like everything came together yeah. at just the right moment. And this story that you all have been building with the audience interaction and everything else mm -hmm. and all the hard work and the medication all just came together at once. And it was can, like, can wow, this is special. High as a kite. <laughs> I just, I, uh, to clarify, I yeah. just gotten out of the hospital. I went yeah. directly from so the hospital are, to the studio. Not, and the pills that I love taking <laughs> were really working. I love experiencing pain in my life. <laughs> I just got in a spinal tap. Yeah. And it, was, it was a rough three weeks yeah. Yeah. of you being yeah. sick. Yeah. 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 It, was, uh, it was brutal. It was interesting. All of us 
had a technical job to yeah. do in the moment. Yeah. I was hiding underneath the table, like so anxious, waiting for my you cue. Know what? cue. Could, I actually feel like that would be a really cool thing to do right now. Why don't we break down that final episode of Post Ghost and what everyone was doing? Oh my god! Because every one of us had a job. Uh, yeah. Too many things. Uh, I'll go. <laughs> I'll go first. Um, I helped Ricky, our PA, and also Ghost. My and I was a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> um, rig up some of those uh, special effect floaty things with. Mm-hmm. Um, clear fishing line mm-hmm. um also i was in charge of s- sitting underneath the table to move the magnet mm-hmm. the little ouija board mm-hmm. and then i also helped do some of the makeup and communicate with some of the cast members like the narrative objectives yeah. and while like also reading the twitch chat it was a lot yeah so i came from the hospital back to the studio uh, grabbed some equipment, then went to the house where we filmed from, which people live in that house, so mm-hmm. that creates an extra level of, okay, we can't be there all day. You yeah. can't set up the night before. We have a live show at 7 p.m. We or 6 p.m., so we had to get it all ready after like 12 p.m., mm-hmm. six hours, go. Uh, so I grabbed the equipment we needed, came back. I had set up uh, the new Blackmagic ATEM Mini in uh, one of the rooms, an extra camera for interviews, green screen, set up keying, and then set up the wireless communication for the camera that Lucas was operating, made sure batteries were good, did any little last-minute lighting or camera technical changes that needed to happen, and just made sure all of the tech was solid um, so Lucas had less to stress about and he could focus on his job. So Mm -hmm. I was mainly there for support and also making sure uh, I was doing the live switching on location, but then my signal was going through a live view unit with bonded cell tower data to Adam, mm-hmm. who I'm on the phone with. <coughs> we're all on the phone. We're all, yeah, on, the we're yeah. all on the phone. The whole team's on the yeah. phone together. And then I'm here in the house by myself um, doing all the live switching, whether it was from Lucas's camera while he's walking around the location doing interviews and actually doing the story elements mm-hmm. to then working with Zach to coordinate his cutting into the interviews, music, Um, We had a live polling system that was happening during the show, making sure that that was on screen when it needed to be, sharing the results of those polls, controlling the music. Um, It was, I won't say it was, it wasn't complicated in the sense that like there was so much tech involved. It was just a lot of different things to focus on. And a lot of it was like, it was like a dance. It was timing. It's not even the most complicated show we've done, but it was the most communication needed. Yeah, Yeah. hyper communicated. Also, Zach, uh, because I did this for the first two episodes, the tip incentives as well. Mm -hmm. So you would trigger those things like the lights flashing or you would tell people like, okay, it's time to make the bananas float. Yeah. 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 So we're all on a phone call, a group call, communicating with each other. And we also, because we're outputting from that location to Adam over RTMP, (coughs) we pay for at our house a Mm -hmm. dedicated static IP. We pay for an RTMP server and we use it for a lot of things. Mm -hmm. But in this instance, it's great because we have kind of a locked location that I'm sending signal out to before it goes to Twitch that Adam is ingesting. And then we have to do some testing before the show even starts to get the lag down the just sink. right. Yeah. So nine minute or nine second delay. It was a nine second delay. Yeah. So, so while we're on the phone, he's counting us down. All right, nine, eight. So it's like yeah. that moment. Basically, when he says go on our end at the house, even though we're on the phone, we start going. But on Adam's screen. It's still the video. My yeah. nine seconds is your go. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So there's that can be really nerve wracking yeah. yeah. when you're doing this kind of content. Especially when I'd watch and like you know like video, the pre-recorded stuff that, that a lot of the stuff that you guys shot, 
I would have to make sure, okay, at 19 seconds, give them a 10-second warning because at 9 seconds, they got to go. Mm-hmm. And that's not going to work that way for everything we do with this sure. tech. It was the way we did it for that show. Yeah. And it puts you in a really messed up position as the board operator because you have a split second of decision to figure out whenever you said go – and that video's ending. I'm just sitting there You're praying. watching oh God, the preview please, screen. Please, please. And you're like, they got the message. They got the message. They started. They got the message. They got the message. And you have a split yeah. second to make a hard choice of yeah. like cut back to their feed or cut to something else to yeah. hold. And yeah. thankfully, it worked out every time. Like I think we had a perfect cut almost every single time we did it. On that yep. final episode. Yep. Yeah. We were in sync. Yeah. Yeah. And luckily the delay didn't like lag any longer. Right. You know, and it could have that was always a, a concern of mine. Uh but I was operating the camera, uh, and then I also sort of played a role. So while while Brandon and I were workshopping this, originally we were just like it's gonna be a behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh and then we were like, Well, it needs someone to guide it. So it was like, Brandon, you're gonna have to be like the producer of this show. Mm-hmm. And then it was like okay, there's going to be times where I'm going to need to communicate with you yeah. uh, to be like, we need to reshoot that right. because we're like rolling. So it's like, what if I just play the camera operator while I'm the camera mm-hmm. operator? So lots of times I'm like playing a character where I'm being like, I need to reshoot that or I'm saying like action and cut so I can actually sort of direct the actors. And you had a whiteboard where you mm-hmm. would... Uh, Brandon was writing yeah. on a whiteboard like <laughs> as people are voting on these decisions that are happening in the chat room, uh, we tried to like smoothly communicate those to the actors without anyone knowing so it feels more like the actors are making the t- decision not like the chats voting oh yeah on it. for us it was really important when you're doing a live interactive show like this we and we can use different tools but this was the most effective we're on a phone call mm-hmm. because there's a nine second delay adam's gonna see the results of what the chat room voted for nine seconds before they have to react so mm-hmm. he can say this one and in that nine seconds Brandon can write it down on a whiteboard, mm-hmm. hold it up behind the camera, and they react. And in the moment, it looks like this one immediate reaction. It yeah. syncs up so well in the moment yeah. to where, as a viewer, as an audience member participating, you feel you like feel you like get an immediate instant. reaction yeah. Yeah. based on your choice. So then my other job was just blocking basically and what to show and when to show it because all of these moving parts are happening around me mm-hmm. so we can like hide a bunch of stuff by being like here's the action yeah. set up behind me yep. while I'm not pointed that way yep. uh, and a good example of that is in the last episode there's like an effect where he's talking to his ghost dead sister via Ouija board and I have a close-up on him and while I have a close-up on him she's moving in so that now whenever I swing back it's like she's just appeared there she puts a hand on his and it's super cute and then I get another close-up of him and she moves out so it's like now she's faded away whenever I swing back over here mm. and, and, the, and then also like my signal under the table was somebody supposed to kick me yeah. so that I would know to move the Ouija board the amount of things we did in this that were so so not the official no. it's just like, yeah. in the moment like how do we do this how do we do this I don't know just kick her yeah. <laughs> oh my god but all of that all of that blocking we did two hours before the show we did a rehearsal of like mm. a full run through right up until it was time to go and I was like okay fuck I guess we'll we hope but, it'll work <laughs> and even then it's a live show so you know when you do those rehearsals, it's not going to work that way. Yep. Mm-hmm. And All the, kinds of issues throughout. So many things will come up, and yeah. you have to be able to adapt quickly and effectively without the audience knowing. Yep. And that's kind of the name of the game with us when it comes to live content. Yep. It's like keeping it entertaining mm-hmm. for the audience, even when behind the scenes things are on fire. And you were also mm-hmm. on a pretty tight deadline because it was a week-to-week show, but you also had to like pre-record mm-hmm. assets that we had were, to like be played during. Yeah, we were making those cinematic cutscenes, uh, and I would shoot those like Sunday night and edit them Monday night to be ready 
for Tuesday's show. Yeah. Uh, and there was like the last week I just ran out of time, so we only had one uh, pre-recorded scare, and then we just really focused on the story on the last episode. And it was good. Yeah, yeah it worked people really, really to, well. Pe- I'm glad we just to like it. broke that down for everybody. One of these days, we'll dive into an episode of Colock and yeah. all the yeah. technique that goes into that. we got to figure out a way to, to get people to watch that post-ghost episode. Yeah. I mean, you can be showing them clips throughout all this, right? I mean, I will. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I mean, now we can, we've can. we been um, showing off our Twitch VODs, yeah. so you can see the chat room interaction. Yeah. Which is the coolest way to see it. Yeah, yeah. for sure. That's that was that was super super fun, but like what what would you guys say are big picture goals for this year? More of that. Yeah. Yeah. We for all sure. want to do more of that. I mean, I have my own goals with Colock as the kind of lead on that show, and we have big stuff coming up here really soon for that <laughs> show. But you know, I want to do an episode out in the desert. I want to do the episode inside of a set that we build that has every actor trapped in their own little like room that's like a reflective red walls room that they're trapped in that I can control the lighting of the panels and all this mm-hmm. stuff. Like uh, I, I have a lot of stuff that I want to do for that, but it's usually just pushing how far we can go with live interactive storytelling mm-hmm. and have the audience excited about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it's a few things um, right now. Trending on social media is instead of having a new year's resolution, it's just a word. And so my word that I picked for myself in the company is go it's in our brand name, Hyperrabbit Power Go. And for people who have survived anxiety, like myself, I think anxiety can paralyze you. And there are things that we want to do or like we kind of held back on because don't have enough money, time, whatever, or a partner, like we're, ra- yeah. we're waiting for the right partner. And I'm like, you know what? Screw it. We're rolling two natural 20s. Let's just go and do it. And then my second thing is, you know, I really love the Journey Onward kind of campaign. We started last year, and I think we're all very adventuresome people. We're very open-minded, and we're down to, you know, try different games, stories, adventures, books, food, people, you know, that kind of thing. But in terms of the travel stuff, we didn't do as much travel as the year before. No, we did a lot more travel yeah. in 2018. Yeah. We went to Prague. And, we went to Prague. Um, we went to Thailand. I want to experiment with a better way of capturing travel that furthers this narrative that we're trying to tell all you guys, which is, dude, it's a big, beautiful world out there. Just go. Mm Mm-hmm. It's hard, though, because our team's smaller. Yes. And now you're the CEO. So in the past, we had the same size team that's at this Mm -hmm. table, but Malika wasn't CEO. Yeah. So if her and I went on a trip and I'm running camera and she's on camera, it's you're just missing me. And then you still had a full team back at the house. Now, Mm -hmm. if we try to go do something, it's like, well, there goes half our crew. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we still have to produce content. So Mm -hmm. it is a challenge now just by our team getting smaller. Yeah. I'd like to... um I, I like the direction we've always gone, the interactive media, where I think we take a lot of audience suggestions, sometimes just straight up like whatever the audience wants, uh, and we incorporate it into our stories. I like this route of the mixing of the two, of coming up with the narrative ourselves and trusting ourselves as storytellers and letting the audience choose something that we've already created. Yeah. Of like, these routes are great, and we've, we've really workshopped them and thought of them in our heads, and we're, we're great writers. Which one do you want to see? Uh, and I really like that about Post Ghost. And that's then on top l- of that. That's literally how Colock works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You guys don't exactly. see the polls every week mm-hmm. as players. Yeah. Every week the audience picks from four options in that poll about where the show's going to go. Yeah. I'm picking those options yeah. based on where are the best places for the story to go. Mm-hmm. And the players don't get to know about that, but the audience is picking, hey, here's what I think the show should be next. Yeah. And on top of that, I want to do like more of this stuff. 
Yeah. Just talking about stuff. Yeah. yeah. Hanging out yeah. together. Yeah. You never know. Sometimes <laughs> we might do one of these episodes and we might workshop an idea live on camera and realize, yeah. oh, we should probably film this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a lot of the same for me. You know, I think like I've been so used to doing sort of the same stuff for the last six years because we really got into it like a rhythm. But when the platform evolves, you have to evolve mm-hmm. as a creator and you have to challenge yourself and do new things. And I want to focus a lot more on story and doing interactive story stuff and choose your own adventure stuff and travel. Like all that stuff is so fun and so um, interesting to me. Yeah. And I think you have to sort of, at some point you need to be able to take, like you need to go on the next step. Yeah. If you're just constantly doing the same sort of rinse and repeat. And a lot of it is also just changing what you're already doing and being able to and being open to change and, and just changing the formula up a little bit. Yeah. And that might not even be on the same platform. No. I think you're going to see even by some of the things we want to talk about, like platforms come and go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As creators, we still have stories to tell. And it might not be on YouTube. It might not be on Twitch. It mm-hmm. might be on some other platform yeah. that works best with the kind of things we're trying There's to do. There's stuff popping up all the time. Yeah. 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 We're going to talk about a few of them probably. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Should we do that now? Yeah, let's do that now. Want to talk about stuff? Yeah, let's talk Shit. about stuff. Is there anything that 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 is coming up or that we're working on at Hyper that we want to talk about or let the audience know where they can find that stuff? So uh, many special guests on Twitch this month. Oh my goodness gracious! We have a couple we can't announce, but we can yeah. announce Matt Mercer uh, is coming on to an episode of Colock. Hector's going to be on that episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, Strawberry's coming back as the now FBI agent. We have an episode that's all FBI for the first half that I'm working on, and that's going to be soon. And you know, and D and D W is getting close to its mm-hmm. the end of its run, and we have a couple more special guests in mm-hmm. line for that show. And uh, we're just going to keep trying to make really cool stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I think keep an eye on it. And I know a lot of people that watch this on YouTube don't cross over to our Twitch, whereas a lot of people who watch on Twitch watch everything we do on YouTube. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, give it a shot. You know, I think as storytellers, we push really hard on that platform to tell really cool and unique stories. And you might dig it. You might dig it. It's really fun. And there's something about watching that live chat room explode mm-hmm. when things happen that's really exciting. You know, it makes it really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And finding another community member that had the same reaction as you did when you were watching something together, that group viewing experience is really alive and, and well on Twitch. Mm-hmm. I'm working on a few more things like Post Ghost currently. Uh, can't really talk completely about them, I guess, uh, but stay tuned. Why not? I mean, I could talk about the one. We I have mean, one that we're trying to do it, in February, but... Uh, even if it doesn't get sponsored, we're still going to do it, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's like a bu- yeah. that's a budget question I can't answer. <laughs> yeah. So we are working on a for the month of February, hopefully a uh, rom com, uh, a, a like live dating simulator, uh, and it would be scripted. It's not like actually these two people are going to go on a date and fall in love like The Bachelor. It's like a scripted thing, it's like, like Post Ghost. Oh, uh, I'm thinking where we The Bachelor cool is scripted. <laughs> uh, well, right, right, right. Uh, Who's ever watched that? No, show? no, it's totally. Uh, uh, is that real? It's it's <laughs> definitely reality, right? Um, but yeah, that's what, that's what Brandon Winfrey and I are working on right now. Um, and hopefully we will have that up in and February. And we want to do for this one, unlike Postcoast, where it's just one POV, we want to make it look a little bit more like a rom-com. Mm, if they're sitting at well a table, shot. you've got two cameras that are doing, you know, close-up shots that mm-hmm. we're cutting between live and in the moment on location, yeah. not in a studio. It still has that energy of live that anything can happen, mm-hmm. but it has the production value of in a studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we say all this now confidently. <laughs> we'll see what breaks on episode one. <laughs> but that's the fun part. Yeah. You yeah. only you only learn by doing. Yep. 
That's all you can do. Oh, we're going to do it. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. Very excited. Um, let's talk about, so we each brought a topic to talk about that in some way relates to things that we're passionate about, or maybe some potential things in the future that we would love to incorporate into our pipeline or things just generally that we're, we, we are, want to speak on that mm-hmm. we think are very relevant to the stuff that we do here. And uh, Malika. Yes. You're up first. Oh my goodness. Things are, uh, did I prepare the wrong thing? Um, no, I, I think had, this is very relevant. <laughs> I wish we had more plants on set there. That's what I'm passionate <laughs> about. All right. Well, this is a hard one for me to talk about. And I know, I know we've all felt this way, or I can only speak for myself. Are we too old for this job? Fuck yes. <laughs> Yo, I'm 27, y'all. <laughs> Maybe you. Every time I go into the table to plug something, I'm like, I'm getting too old for this. <laughs> oh my god! I'm like I Roger Murtaugh. I am so tired. Every time I say it now, like anytime somebody asks me, like, "How you feeling?" or blah blah blah, and I respond with, "I'm I'm tired." That I get on the verge of tears the second oh, it starts no. to leave my mouth. I'm like, I'm tired, man. <laughs> I'm so tired. But that's beside the point. From an audience standpoint, sure. I feel ancient, especially yeah. for Colock when we have this very young high school audience yeah. that's mm-hmm. attached onto the show, I feel like the old man of the show, and I am. Yeah, I mean, our our primary demographic, I would say, between both platforms, Twitch and YouTube, is 18 to 34. Mm-hmm. And that's and why like, I... We're, we're like on the verge of exiting out of that. I don't. I don't. I I don't think we are. I don't think we are too old. I think that these people are aging with us, and sure. they're gonna want. Yeah. They're gonna yeah. want older content as they get older. Absolutely. I so, don't know what half of them are fucking talking about, dude. They tag me on this shit on Instagram. Okay, maybe not the Colock audience. We might be aging out from. Zach's that. never opened TikTok. Well, no. Why are there so many Instagram posts of that I'm tagged in with a red X on my face? What does that mean? Is someone gonna kill me? They do this. Well, if they tag me in these things, I look at them like, I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah. And I have to go to, I have to go to Shovel and Mika and be like, hey, uh, well, Help. what is this? <laughs> but that's the thing. Those consumers are going to, in the next few years, they're going to reach adulthood. They're going to yes. be looking for content. Yes. That maybe we are making right now. Yeah. Maybe. And then they'll be like, man, this guy is gray and old. And why would I listen to him? <laughs> because. Well, I got one more year and I'm totally gray. <laughs> you already established a relationship with it. I don't think we're too old. Okay. Well, what's your point All here? right. The reason why I bring this up is there was a fantastic New York Times article uh, about something called the Hype House. And it's mm. not us. They are in Los <laughs> they, Angeles. They, they forgot an R. <laughs> Damn. They forgot an R. Oh, that's Damn. my house. Damn. <laughs> um, it's, it's a mansion in Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, not too far away from here. And it, it talks about the gold rush of influencers, young influencers, some as young as 15 years old, mm-hmm. moving to Los Angeles <clears throat> because they all have become TikTok stars within the last few months. Yeah. Which okay. is, I have a lot of feelings about I have a this. lot of questions. Yes. How do you make money on TikTok? There's no ads right now, or anything, you don't. right? Yeah, so well, are they TikTok stars by getting endorsements? Yes, or, uh, yeah. sponsored. I, I, have a, too, I have a lot of references for yeah. my point. Um, on The Hollywood Reporter, they estimated that some of these top TikTokers uh-huh. get 30K per sponsored post. Huh. Think about it. <laughs> 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 He's going to quit in three weeks. <laughs> I think 30,000. <laughs> I mean, Instagram's been doing that for a long sure. time. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And they said, you know, if you could get a major celebrity like a Will Smith, they may get, get up to six figures for mm-hmm. one sponsored post yeah, on TikTok. Yeah. Sure. Think about that. You know, Will Smith, 
doing a lip sync rap music. Yeah, but this, isn't, like, this isn't new. Every new platform. Yeah. Ha- yes. Instagram had that, and then it died down. Twitter used to have that, There's and then yes. it died down. There's plenty of millionaires Vine on every platform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They so, all tr- like to live together in their frat house. I mean, that's that's what hills. we do here, yeah. right? Yeah. That's what we do yeah, here. Yeah, but we don't make money. Except for, uh, <laughs> it's not a mansion. It's not a mansion, and we don't make money. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's definitely overpriced. You and know? I'm definitely driving around we, trying to find. We have five hundred dollars to play a board game, not thirty k yes. to promote something on TikTok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Um, but I, I think there we still feel an enormous pressure that oh shoot, we're too old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we're not getting that much money per sponsored video or post, <coughs> and you know a panel that you were on, something closer to our world. A D and D panel. A D and D social media, I think or marketing rep said, hey, you need to get on these D&D TikTok memes if you want to be a content creator in that space. And then all of us were like, oh, shit. Or at least I had that moment in she the did. audience. My moment on mm-hmm. stage was, I'm not getting that. And then I'm also, <laughs> you know, we're we're able to survive. We're in year five now of yeah. our startup, which is a small miracle. I'm so proud of like where we've come. And I'm so grateful for everybody who supported us. But the pressure to com- with, com- compete with younger people, with millions, Millions okay. of followers. Okay, though. Okay, is enormous. Okay, these are influencers, though. Yes. we're not influencers. Yes. We've yeah. never pretended to be mm-hmm. influencers. We're producers. Like yeah. there is a difference. We work with influencers. Sure. We hire influencers. Yeah. People who have that beat, you know, the, the, their hand on the pulse. Mm-hmm. Like that's not what we do, and I don't know if we want to. Honestly, if you ask me, do you want to be an influencer? Well, you know the answer to no. that. No, I don't make social no. media posts. I don't want to do it. You gotta. You say the word Instagram and Zach curls up into a uh, ball. Uh, it's not me. How many people are living in this hype house? I think uh, four of, people yeah. full time. Okay. And then a whole, I think up to like, I think 19 kids yeah. go there part time. There's a 15 year old influencer and her sister. They live in Connecticut and then they like crash at the hype house to make content. Uh, and then they, you know, go back home to go back to school. I will bet all of you <laughs> right now <laughs> that, that I'll be living there in two weeks. That, no, <laughs> that half of those people, yeah, half of those people won't be relevant when they're, when they're 30. Sure. I think some of them will capitalize on it because they're smart business people. I think some of them will get burnt out or they will, I don't know, get the fame of kids. Yeah, it always happens. I mean, we saw that with Vine, YouTube. You and I have worked when Vine was around and you and I were doing stuff with Grumberg. We worked with so many Vine stars. Mm -hmm. And like half of them. Two of them went on to do pretty big big stuff. stuff. And I won't name them, but there's others that disappeared completely. And Mm -hmm. the same happened with YouTube. When I used to do all the videos for Seventeen and Awesomeness, it was known, and you could tell. You would meet certain people, and you'd start working with me like, this kid's going places. Mm-hmm. They know how to manage their money. They know how to manage their the expectations yep. of their content, mm-hmm. and they've created a plan. I mean, you can just tell when some, I don't know, <laughs> when some douchebag shows up <laughs> and acts like a douchebag to yeah. everyone. It's like, I don't know how long this is going to last. Right, uh, right. You, yeah, you, but I some of those Vine stars that we some met of them that were huge douchebags yeah. are now some of the biggest people exactly. in the world. But now some of them are some of the biggest douchebags in yeah. the world, and everyone thinks that. <laughs> yeah. So, but they're still rich. They're still I doing guess. fine. Yeah, yeah, I They'll guess. be set for life. I don't know. 
that. Well, I, I, there was three takeaways I wanted to talk about. In, you know, yes, this has happened before. Influencer <clears throat> houses are not new. There was a right. whole um, apartment complex on Vine Street in Los Angeles where all the Vine stars were getting yeah, into no, yeah, uh, apartments yeah, together. Yeah, yeah, right? yep, yep. yeah. I get it. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's going to blow their brains. They're going to like this. Where's have, you not, have you actually not heard of this building? No. Because yeah. it like, changed the rental market in that area. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> I hate everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's above the Trader Joe's. Uh, it's died. above the Trader Joe's down on. Oh, in, really? In oh. Hollywood. Yep, that building. Jeez, so, cool. okay. Um, so, I think there's three things. Uh, one, what can we learn from this? Because I think, yeah. in all seriousness, <laughs> there is a lot of. House. There's a lot of <laughs> smart stuff here. Yeah. Um, two, how can we learn from their mistakes? They've yeah. done things right, yeah. they've done things wrong. And then the third thing is, I'm just worried. Yeah. I'm worried for myself. I'm worried for the world. I'm worried for young people. Sure. I'm worried for okay, old people. Okay, that's a loaded statement. <laughs> why? Worried or uh, uh, yeah, I was like, going to go down the list. All uh, right. Why are, you, why are you worried for young people in this? Because like, like we're saying, this has been going on with every new yes. platform that pops yeah. up. Well, okay. So I guess I'll go backwards for you, Zach. The reason why I'm worried exactly. is there is an, an enormous um, <laughs> um, there. If you look at the veterans of the industry, like our friend Strawberry Seventeen, mm -hmm. been there from the beginning, has mm -hmm. been doing this for a decade. Um, enormous uh, health and mental health pressures yes. and concerns. When I hear somebody who's 15 years old, that's a lot to take on. That and that's, is a lot. That's what I'm yes. talking about. A lot of these people burn out yeah. mentally. A lot of them go through some serious mm -hmm. mental trauma. By 18, they're like, trauma. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Many Twitch streamers, uh, because of the pressure to continue to create content, they start abusing drugs. Mm -hmm. It's very sad. It's yeah. very dark. Yes. Um, we have some content creator friends who, you know, they have their first kid or they just get married and they're like, holy moly what do i fucking do now yeah you know so i'm extremely worried but at the same time you know the the boomers right in quotes mm -hmm. you know they think that this is all very vapid and these kids are really stupid and at the same time a lot of these kids are extremely hardworking, and extremely very smart, smart very Super smart, smart. Uh, and knowing what people want yes. is yeah. such knowing. a talent that yes. can carry over into so many yeah. Yes. Yeah. marketing especially and if if we could learn one thing from tiktok i think it is one of the more newer emerging platforms mm -hmm. where you have a direct connection to the audience. And I know this kind of overlaps with your topic later, Adam. Mm -hmm. YouTube has become less and less of a community <clears throat> place. And now I'm seeing more direct connection on Twitch, mm -hmm. on TikTok, and in private Facebook groups. Those are my three areas to watch in terms of community building, talking directly to your consumer, follower, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I'm, I am extremely worried for uh, myself, uh, young people. And then also there's an article that went out uh, late last year that more kids want to be a YouTuber than an astronaut. So uh, I, my eyes really opened when I went to uh, MindCon, which or no MindFair, which is a Minecraft convention. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what I expected, but what I didn't expect and was kind of appalled to find was the new wave of parents making their kids into like talent yes in kind of disturbing ways like beauty mm -hmm. pageant kids is wanting their kid to be a youtuber yeah. and now 
unlike China, but in the UK and the United States, more kids want to be a YouTuber than an astronaut. So that's why I'm that worried. That doesn't surprise me, though, because when people like, wanted to be an astronaut, because that was what was on the news. That was what was in the media. That was what you aspired to be. Also, like being a YouTuber sounds fun. It's like, let's play games and make money off of it, you know? Yeah, and it's what you surround yourself mm-hmm. with. These kids are watching YouTube, so it seems viable to them. Yeah. I, that doesn't surprise me, and I think that will shift. A new platform will come out. A new form of entertainment will come out. Yeah. It will change. It will adapt. That will always happen, and people who are creepy with their kids will always be creepy with their kids and sign their kids up to do weird things. I think that that's, yeah. that's not new, like yeah. putting your kids into entertainment at a young age. It's just becoming more accessible, mm-hmm. and the does, internet has made it feel like, ooh, I can do it. Anyone can do it. I can do it. Yeah. <clears throat> it like really sucks, though, for the kid, I think, because <laughs> yeah. I think there's so much like – there's so much of like we put so much – validity into like likes and views and comments and upvotes and all that shit you know thumbs up versus Mm -hmm. thumbs down uh and whenever your kid is like working really hard and putting out these videos that are getting seven views they know like to them they are not valid like they're not making it but that's wrong yeah that's so messed up that's what i'm saying it's (laughs) i think there's a worry there of like there's gonna be so many kids that are like there's just there's not enough like there's too much content. Like there's, well, there's also, some people are just not going to make it. And there's right. too much pressure on looking for validity mm-hmm. on to mm-hmm. online platforms, which yeah. is not like a really. Yeah, there's much smarter people than us that are like trying to tackle these issues and like yeah. what it does to you psychologically. And you know, you see it happen all the time in our industry too, because we work a lot with people who mm-hmm. are online personalities, mm-hmm. and you know, they have to for a job think about yeah how many likes they're getting, yeah how much interaction they're getting from each tweet and it's sad that's kind of what excited me when uh, instagram announced that it was going to get rid of likes yeah or stop showing them and stop showing them yeah Yeah. because i thought like okay maybe maybe that will encourage people to feel less pressured even though they can see behind the scenes like how a post is actually doing yeah maybe because other people won't see it there won't be so much judgment Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, and um i don't know i know that that had rolled out in canada first i think I haven't had it. I don't think any of us nope. have have that ability yet. But no. it was supposed to be like a pretty big worldwide rollout, and I don't know if they're still sort of like getting getting to us. But yeah, yeah, I'm interested to see if things like that, those sort of like shifting things, will will maybe encourage people to worry less about that and worry yeah. more about like what am I actually doing on the platform? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And to be <clears throat> like, if anyone who is a content creator that's listening to this, uh, which is possible Mm -hmm. i think it's very likely we made a choice uh lucas and i came from a world of views we came from a world of how many hits is this getting how many eyeballs is this Mm -hmm. on and we made a conscious decision at hyper rpg to not care about quantity but quality yeah uh there are other ways to get paid on the platform exactly that's what we explore yeah we don't uh you know we are making a successful business that's going into year five mm-hmm. where people have health insurance and a salary and all these things. And some of our shows get at max an average of 250 live content viewers. And most people would think that that's a failure. Mm-hmm. Most people would look at that and say like, Oh, these guys don't get any, any views, but we look at it far differently, not focusing on the, the kind of like a, a, a view is a view it's who's the view? Mm-hmm. How engaged is that view? How involved is that view? How much of a part of a community mm-hmm. is that view? Um, Are they passively it, viewing or interacting? Exactly, because yeah. an interactive viewer is more valuable than a passive viewer. So, you know, 
I've worked in the commercial world. We worked in the YouTube world where mm-hmm. it was like you had to make it viral. You had to get this many hits. And it sucked. Yeah. Because it hardly ever then became about the content and the story. It was like following every knee-jerk trend to a point of just like reducing the content down. And not everyone does this. Some people are way above it and they make the trends and I respect those people so much. But when you're chasing them, when you're chasing the likes, it it really started to get to us. And I, I like the way we do Hyper where we focus on what's important and we still have money to keep a roof over our heads and not Mm. have to be like, Oh, only 200 people tuned into this thing. But at the same time, there's always balance. We're starting a Witcher RPG for a reason right now. Right? Mm. Like, (laughs) yeah, but I have no, you say that I'm very honest with what I expect our content to do. I expect 220 people tonight. That's my expectation. I don't have any expectations. I don't like, Sure. It's like this idea that, oh, we're jumping on Witcher because it's a current thing. Our community is excited mm-hmm. about it. That's why I think, I, yeah, I yeah, mean, I personally it. like just want to hear the song more. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> so I think we're going for because the community is excited about it. But this idea that we could get a lot more views and we're chasing the views. N- no, it's not going to lead to more views. It's yeah. on Twitch and people can't search for it. There's no algorithm to support it. <laughs> it will not get more views. And yeah. then uh, my two other points that I wanted to talk about were what can we learn from what they did right? What can we learn from what they've done wrong? And I think what they've done right is the reason why the influencer house kind of exists is because it speeds up content creation. Mm -hmm. Number one, speed is still very important. We have internal discussions all the time about uh, quality versus quantity. We have to put out stuff, a lot of stuff, and fast, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, Twitch is a platform that rewards hours live. Twitch has told me that in meetings. So, uh, you know breaking down those barriers to all live in a house. Like, they're on the right track. Yeah. Uh, another thing that I thought was actually really clever is they have whiteboards all over the house for ideas. Instead of putting money into furniture, mm-hmm. because that gets in the way of shooting, they put money into things like cameras and whiteboards. And, you know, we have internal spreadsheet documents of things to work on. And mm-hmm. sometimes I think because... They live somewhere hidden in Google Drive. I won't use them. Yeah, you don't use them. We had to transition away from using Asana and uh, digital task tracking to whiteboards. And so I'm like, maybe we should buy some more. Maybe we will have a successful show. I mean, considering how often we have to erase, like photograph and erase a whiteboard and then like redo it and then use the other side and then erase is like, I'm And a lot of that's my fault. It's just my work ethic is like, go, 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 go. And the second I'm done, I have to be done because I usually just pass out. Yeah. But it's this idea that when I sit down, I'm going to have time to go into a spreadsheet and look around and catch up on those things. Usually the second I sit down, it's like, oh, what are all this? Oh, oh I got to <laughs> oh, open this program. I got to open this program. And I got to mm. move this and, thing over here. And, and the last two game studios I worked at, if I'm going to learn something, they did that too. So when I worked at 2-Bit Circus, in our offices, all walls were whiteboards. All mm. walls were whiteboards. Um, at Hairbrain Schemes, all tables were whiteboards. So I, I think, uh, you know, just some more like physical representations. I don't know. Maybe we should do a group vision board or something. That might actually really help us mm. stay focused on the topic, sure. right? And then in terms of uh, what have they done wrong or not necessarily because this is so early, but you're right. Um, we need to have an exit strategy. You need to have a strategy that is bigger than the platform that you're on. Yes. Yeah. You got to expand outside of that platform. Absolutely. And, and they then, probably already have. Well, yeah. And, and, um, but also <laughs> like they, 
they do a lot of things right, but also like TikTok, there's rumors that it might get sold. Yeah. There's a lot of problematic, scary things on that platform. I've, yeah. Yeah. Mm, like I've the heard. U.S. government is now investigating TikTok as a national security threat. So mm-hmm. we'll see what that ends up. investigate themselves. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it's it's <laughs> owned by the Chinese government, isn't it? It's a Chinese company. Yeah, it's yeah. Chinese and company. I think it's like the their government. The well, Chinese if it's a Chinese company, it's the Chinese government. Yeah, yeah. owns kind of right. everybody. <laughs> Yeah. Their, their thoughts, how many children <laughs> you can have. Got to get that social media s- yes. or your yeah. social score up. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> Real um, life black mirror. Woo! And then, of, of course, um, I mean, there's other things, too. Um, did you know you can't stay in the Hype House if you're not making videos? Like, they have a quota. Yeah. Like, well, they're very good. strict on themselves. Yeah. It's also not a party house. I, I just think it's very, very interesting. Um, and they, they recognize, like you were saying, what people want and kind of connecting directly to their community. Mm -hmm. And I can see how carefully curated their TikToks and their Instagrams are in terms of like, I'm attractive, but not sexy. You know what I mean? And and they're so careful because they're, they're smart enough to try to avoid controversy, which is very smart. Considering that they're between the ages of like 15 to like 19, 15, 20. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Usually you would think like a hype house like that, it would be the exact opposite. Be a party house. There has been. Yeah, of course. There has been. They're a good example, which is probably why there's a New York times article Mm -hmm. about them. The Mm -hmm. amount of these things that have popped up that were awful. And then, you know, the, Oh, the other point, though of what they've done wrong though is (laughs) it's very white Mm, and uh their debut post about the hype house they were all wearing white t-shirts too and i'm like oh boy and so there's you know already other groups of influencers like the melanin mansion that's kind of like okay i see we're not welcome we're gonna make our own influencer mansion so all the luck to them too i mean i think the biggest thing to take away at least for me when i look at things like tiktok and Mm. i've i've I have an account on TikTok. I, I have, do too. I have not been actively posting, nope. but I've been consuming a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest mistake that that I made when I first looked at TikTok was because it was the it was the evolved form of Musically. I thought, okay, I guess in order for me to get any traction on this platform, I need to make content right. where I'm like singing and dancing mm-hmm. or doing impressions. Oh, and, you did and some dances, sort of buddy. No. Oh, okay. Hundred percent not. I was about to check it out. <clears throat> no. Um, so I assumed, like, okay, if, if that's how I, if that's what I need to do in order to be seen or to to sort of get any sort of following on this platform, then it's not really for me. Then this yeah. is really for people who are younger and have that right. sort of like energy and drive. Right. But then now you look at TikTok, and now it has over one point. I think it's one point five billion yep. downloads. You know, a lot of the influencers that I follow on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, they're taking their content repurposing it for TikTok and it's getting mm-hmm. just as much drive and engagement. Yeah. You know, like Gary Vaynerchuk or or I was just showing Lucas a, a, a TikToker or he's a YouTuber. He started as a YouTuber. He also has a, a pretty successful Instagram. Not a big Twitter following, but he's blowing up on TikTok flaky salt. Mm-hmm. He does cooking videos. So... I think there, the yeah, there's there's additional things that yeah. really really work on that platform and yeah. quick recipes. It's like oh my gosh, sixty that's second amazing. recipes, which like yeah, and because of the because of the UI and the way it's designed and the things that you can add to it, it that's what separates it I think from something like Instagram where like you can add music to it and some filters, but yeah. now because of the success of TikTok, Instagram is now starting to implement a lot of stuff that has been on Snapchat is now being is now being incorporated into TikTok. So like I think the biggest thing to to take away is like you really got to find what's your thing, what do you like to do, and how can you apply that to a platform without just following the trend of what everybody else is doing. Yeah. 
Um, I guess final takeaway, this is like a fun activity. Uh, one of the people at the Hype House said, you either have to be talented at something or a weird, funny mix or extremely good looking. If you have all three, you're a TikTok god. All and right. so... <laughs> I guess I'll get on TikTok like, then. <laughs> have you placed yourself into one of those categories? I feel like I have mm. and like I, the brand has, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like, okay, not handsome enough. Not talented enough. Maybe we're weird enough. Yeah. Like. <laughs> I'm pretty weird. <laughs> I was going to talk today about the um, announcement at CES of the new app, I guess, mm-hmm. maybe coming to phones called Quibi, uh, which is coming from Meg Whitman, who serves on the board of Procter & Gamble and That's Dropbox. That's so interesting. I used to work with an actress named Meg Whitman, and now I have to make sure that it's not the same it person. It can't be the same I one. I think you're this thinking is of a, May Whitman. Nope. This is a person oh, on the mind. board of directors of Procter & Gamble. <laughs> this is a billionaire woman. Uh, and Jeffrey Katzenberg, yeah. former chairman of Disney, uh, who also, I found out, uh, more important credit is uh, executive producer on Shrek 5. <laughs> has been announced. So go, Jeffrey. Yeah. <laughs> I worked on the first three. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, Quibi is a mobile-only video service launching April 6th. So Quibi has already been talked about a little bit, but they, I think, announced like the launch date, and mm-hmm. uh, they showed a little bit of the features today. Uh, it's going to have original programming, typically in the range of 10 minutes or I less heard per about episode. This. We yeah. talked about this on a yeah, Hyper Heroes episode. Yeah, yeah. There will be a range of formats from news-driven segments known as Daily Essentials to episodic, unscripted, and documentary programming to cinematic stories told in chapter installments. So just kind of everything. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard of the news about that Zac Efron show of like, I don't even remember what it's called, but it's something like How to Kill or Killing Zac Efron. Yeah, yeah, where he was and in he the got, hospital. He got flown to the hospital because he almost died <laughs> filming that show. Oh uh, that will be on Quibi. Oh, um, there will be an ad-enabled. Stunt. No. Yeah, I, probably. There will <laughs> no, be an ad-enabled version for $5 a month and an ad-free version for $8 a month. So this is a subscription service. Mm. Um Over the last year, Quibi executives have been assembling a robust pipeline of programming for its launch. It plans to offer more than three hours of original content each day, which would be about 175 shows in its first year alone. Uh, Projects include Catherine Hardwick-directed future set drama Don't Look Deeper, Ty Sheridan's thriller Wireless, Antoine Fuqua-produced drama Hashtag Free Ray Sean, horror anthology 50 States of Fright, and a Lorne Michaels-produced comedy Mapleworth Murders. Uh, also, Evan Funk food shows like uh, Shape of Pasta and a lot of other things. They're going all out. out. They're really going all out. <clears throat> I mean, uh, when you're Jeffrey Katzenberg, you got the money. Yes. Most notable that they showed off today was this, and today being um, January 8th, Wednesday, January 8th, yeah, 8th today for us. Um, the notable feature that they showed off today was this feature called Turnstile. So it's basically... I, I wasn't really understanding this until I read more, but it allows the video to instantly flip between vertical portrait framing and horizontal landscape framing as the phone moves. And I was like, my phone already, already does that. <laughs> That's just what phones do. Uh, but apparently, and here's like, here's where they were explaining it. Ty Sheridan's Wireless is a survival thriller about a young man whose car has crashed. It shows Sheridan's character in horizontal orientation, but as you flip to vertical vertical orientation, it reveals the interface of the character's phone, who he is who he is calling and texting, and that kind of thing. Of like you'll you know if you're watching him like this, you see a movie. Uh, yeah. But if you flip you it, up, you see, his you phone see screen? extra info. Shit. And I'm like, okay, that's a little more than gimmicky. That's yeah. actually kind of cool. Uh, you can sign up to the company's website to be a Quibi insider today. Uh, but I have a ton of questions, concerns. Uh, and also things that I'm like kind of excited about. Namely, I think um, short, more digestible content is great. 
Uh, I don't think we're losing, like, you know, movies are just as long as they've always been. They're still going even longer. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not losing, you know, our hour-long TV shows. I don't think that's a concern. So I'm totally fine with people experimenting with, like, 10-minute episodes and short films and such. Uh, I see, you know, I think a lot of boomers would it, would complain about it. Uh, everything's getting so short. And everyone's got no they're not going to look at me when you said that? But, like, yeah, they're, not, they're not going to sign up for this. And they're not going to sign up. That is yeah. uh, Concern being, um, do you want to pay five bucks a month? Eight, you said? Five bucks a month for ad enabled, eight for no ads. No. For just short content. No. Like, no. I, who's going to sign up for no, this? No, I'm guessing by month three that will be free. Yeah. And th- here's the thing that I wanted to talk about with all of this is I think they're going about this wrong. And I think this is a bunch of old Silicon Valley, uh, Hollywood people that don't understand the industry. They're trying to make stuff for kids, but then they're bringing in all these like actors of like who, what kid, you know, kids are watching digestible stuff and like young people. But who gives a shit about these actors that I've They're not going to change their viewing habits. The kids are going to keep watching TikTok and YouTube. Exactly. Mm -hmm. If you were able to bring those TikTok and YouTube stars over though, I think you could bring their audiences. They will. I think of it. How much you want to bet that they will, but that doesn't make as cool of a press release. Yeah. And these press releases are for the investors. Yeah. They're for the people for the old money. people. They're like, oh, I recognize that actor. But also, five dollars. Who's going to pay five dollars for this? Would you? No. I would. If there's a free trial, yeah. I'll try that. I'll try it out. I, I'm $5? excited to see what they Oof, make. It's going to be tough. I, I really. I really am going to have to have like a free trial, two week period where I can run through the whole app. Yeah. To see if it's worth my. And like, my money. I guess what bugs me is it's also five dollars for ads. Like, just yeah. Why couldn't it just be five dollars across the board? Ad make free? it yeah, make it free. Or I don't think that'll last. I I, th- I think that'll change. Yeah. yeah. As a former mobile developer, I'm not a schmuck, and I don't pay for anything on my phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's how most people feel. Yeah. And uh, developers, who I have don't want to enter my credit card info on my phone. Mm-hmm, like I just mm-hmm. don't like. Well, doing I mean, that. I got the Apple Pay, but oh, I do yeah. that shit all the time. I'm not gonna <laughs> fingerprint over my money. But um, th- uh, to my point, I have game developer friends who have made premium, beautiful indie games. They mm-hmm. could be app of the year on yeah. the Apple Store. Yeah. And then somebody <clears throat> makes the free version, mm-hmm. and people want to pay those $2. And in the long run, that developer that only wanted $2 for their award-winning game yeah. loses money. Yeah. Now, nah, it's the that. fact that it's a phone app. It's not a desktop app. It's a phone app. Yeah. $5 a month won't happen. Yeah. That's going to change. I, I would put money on it that if they want that to survive, after a couple months, it's going to go free, mm-hmm. and you'll pay to do it without ads. Yeah. They'll just they'll just push more ads at you to try to cover up the costs, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, they're going to have to move it to free. Or you're just going to gonna launch that thing with so little fanfare, especially if – I think you're – I do believe they can't be that dumb to not put young – impressionable people in front mm-hmm. of it yeah but even then young impressionable mm-hmm. people are going to be like my audience won't pay for well because you say yeah. you say names yeah. like ty sheridan and to us it's like oh cool yeah, yeah. hell or high water great who wrote sicario great but to a 19 year old kid like that, that doesn't care. mean anything to no. them yeah uh i i think the exciting thing is i do like that like flipping the phone thing because what i see there is like especially with documentary and news style stuff mm-hmm. One of my favorite things about Amazon Video is when you pause and it shows here's all the actors in this scene and like th- who scored this scene and stuff like that. I see that being like that's a cool feature if I turn it this way to just mm-hmm. see who's in this scene. Um, that could be really cool. Uh, otherwise, even in that example, the wireless example, that's kind of a gimmick to me. Like, okay, I'm just gonna watch this twice. Yeah. Uh, if they could figure out some way for me to interact with it in a, you know, I would just watch it full full the way through horizontal and then I would flip mm-hmm. it and watch it again. I also wonder like when they film that sort of a thing. Like, are you filming it 
this might be a hard thing to explain, but are you filming it basically with the sense of like, if I'm watching it widescreen and I turn it, is it going to reveal more of the image and right. have more data? Or is it going to be like black mm -hmm. bars on the top and bottom? I think what and he's saying, because like, they use an example that said you're going to see the phone screen when you yeah. watch it. So it's like switching most, to some other thing. Most likely, I imagine that if you're not doing something that's taking advantage of that, it's mm -hmm. probably what you're talking about, where mm -hmm. it'll just be extra information. Yeah. yeah, It'll be like, thank you for watching, blah, blah, click here, whatever, yeah. right. and then you turn it back and it's the video. Yep. If they don't Add utilize space, it, because I doubt every single show will utilize it right. properly, but mm -hmm. some will. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think they're announcing this for advertisers to be like, when we turn it vertical, you can have your ad space you above and below video. Yeah. And it, you can click and intera interact with it. And that's not like YouTube, right? Uh, but it is. Uh, and that's pretty much it. I don't think this will work. And I think they're putting a <clears throat> billion dollars into this for an idea that will have a lot of hype around announcement. And I think people will try it and be like, unless they can get like some good original series that people really, yeah. really like and have a lot of hype around mm. it i don't think it'll work you know what i love though about this mm. they're going to be giving somebody money to make shows on it. i, f yeah. I yeah. always yeah. feel I that, that way yep. yeah, yeah. I, I support all of these shows that are going to be on i'm mm. like that's so cool uh, and i hope they do well yeah it's going to be very very interesting we'll see mm -hmm. uh, one of the like one of the only things i'm really excited for granted i also haven't done like a major deep dive is the rousseau brothers are doing this like eight part five to five to ten minute docuseries about marvel versus dc but like the companies and like mm -hmm. throughout their history and all that sort of stuff if you maybe could like lean into that audience a little bit and then bring in people like a tom holland or someone to like help narrate that then like mm -hmm. maybe like you can use those sort of schemes to get people on board but yeah, yeah i don't know the longevity of this i think it's uh we'll see It'll yeah be very interesting we'll see Will Kappa kill our channel? <laughs> That's the question of the year. So really quick sort of like background and context. Kappa is not something new. Kappa has been around since 1999. It's the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act. And YouTube is a platform that technically, since since the beginning, it's mostly been like a PG-13 type of website. So when to sign up, you got to be 13 or older. You have to get consent from your parent if you're younger than that. So naturally, a lot of people signed up for it or kids signed up for it through their parents. Um, Yo, then YouTube realized, man, we could be making a lot of money off yeah, this. Yeah, long story short, they started boasting about the fact that their viewership is so heavily skewed towards 13 and under, and that got the FTC asking questions of like, well, if your platform is primarily geared towards audiences 13 and up, and you're having, and you're using analytics from their accounts, viewing history, location, and all that sort of stuff to sort of like target ads towards them, well, then that then goes against Kappa and the rules that we've established mm. for you as a platform. So they did some digging and now Google, who owns obviously who obviously owns YouTube, has had to pay a hundred and seventy million dollar fine. Yeah. And I heard that is one percent of YouTube's profits. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> crazy. <laughs> um I know oh, really I, hurting. I know I know TikTok has also um had to deal with with some of the with the FTC in, yeah. in, in terms of Kappa. And I think Facebook at one point did as well. Mm -hmm. Um but now the big question comes has been coming from a lot of creators. And I think this was like announced in September that starting January 1st, so like a week or two ago, every single video that you upload to your channel has to be identified whether or not it's appropriate for children. Mm -hmm. The problem with it is there's a lot of gray area. For example, we do a weekly show where we talk about superheroes and movies and TV. It's not necessarily intended for children, but because, not all the time, but because a lot of the time we don't use adult language, Yes, it could be accessible for someone who is under the age of 13. Someone 
and it could be an algorithm. It could be some automated system. If I flag it as no, it's not in- intended for children, they could say, well, actually, we watch this or we analyze this this video. We think it's okay for kids by mis um, um, categorizing, mis- miscategorizing yeah. it. Thank you. You can be fined up to $42,000 per video. Bye-bye, mm-hmm. Hyper RPG. Bye-bye. We would be done in an instant. Yeah, yeah. So that's become sort of the big talk on YouTube from a lot of content creators is how are we going to how are we going to separate this gray, gray area? How is has anyone been hit yet? That I don't know. So um, the people who are most like hit or concerned are like the toy channels yeah. and the family channels. Mm-hmm. Or the so, Minecraft players. Yes. Because yes. mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people Fortnite, play Minecraft and yeah. Fortnite. I mean, the whole reason Minecraft and Fortnite got so popular is the algorithm supported it yes. because YouTube's algorithm was supporting like for kids. Yes. Yep, yep, so yep. they just kept, you know, more and more creators started doing kid-centered content. And they were saying that creators could... They could be hit with revenue losses as big as 80 to 90% for a lot of content creators, which if you're solely if you're solely relying on YouTube revenue then like you probably should have implemented some other some other third-party things, but if you don't have that option and all you have is your YouTube views and all your revenue is coming straight from YouTube like that will immediately kill your business. Mm-hmm. So I I'm really curious to see how this is going to work and I know yeah. a lot of those like kid-centric channels um, they built a separate platform that was intended to be for kids, literally called YouTube Kids. Yeah. Um, and and I and I'm assuming that just not enough kids were probably on that platform, and they would just stick to YouTube Main because they had access to everything on the platform, um, which obviously also opened it up to to a lot of predators and all that sort of stuff as well. Uh, but there are a lot of people concerned going into this new year that they're not really sure what they have to do to differentiate themselves from being kid oriented, but still talk about the things that they want to talk about. I, uh, I watched this series um, from a lawyer about this, uh, and I'm trying to find it right now. It definitely wasn't that one. But um, he had a lot of interesting points that uh, YouTube's using some really dishonest language in all of this, and they're trying to – they're basically make trying to protect themselves yeah. mm-hmm. and make it like so that people believe that they might be right. in trouble for this. Right. But the blame lies on YouTube. They are the yeah. ones that are selling – the children's information Mm -hmm. and they're the ones that are targeting children with advertisements. So they may be able to like wrap you up in legal battles, which could kill your channel, but ultimately they're supposed to be the ones paying the fines for this. And the guy who worked for the FTC who said that the people like the channel creators, the creators would pay it is wrong. He's like, that's just not right. Right. Uh, And it will like, if this issue comes up, someone will take it to court and this will change. And that makes more sense to me because that's why Twitch has a very different policy than YouTube. Mm -hmm. It sucks for creators. Believe me, it will kill a creator. Twitch like Twitch, like to wash their hands of this situation has set up a deal where if there's a single copyright infringement strike, assume towards your channel you get taken offline mm-hmm. and we know this because that happened, happened to us, to us. <laughs> yeah and it had nothing to do with us it had to do with an indie game that we played on our channel mm-hmm. the creator of the indie game was in a lawsuit with the person who made the music for the indie game and the person that made the music for the indie game just went on a rampage and started making claims against channels that played the game mm-hmm. so out of the blue two and a half years after this had been on our channel our channel just disappeared yep. because Twitch because Twitch bears the responsibility mm-hmm. more than we do. Yeah. They're protecting and to, themselves. And to protect right. themselves from a lawsuit or getting in sort of any sort of trouble, they just wipe yep. the channel. Yeah, yep. Yep. and that's what YouTube can do is they do have, like they're a private company, yep. they, they have the ability to be like, 
uh, well, you're just not a creator on our platform yep. anymore. So if you're making content that is controversial in that way, they can just be like, well, we're going to pull you, pull the mm-hmm. plug on your channel. Mm-hmm. They have that right, uh, which is scary for creators, I think. Yeah. But the fine coming from the FTC would go, it should to go YouTube. to YouTube. And yeah. eventually, if it is going to the creator, there's going to be a legal battle that will resolve that, which is very shitty still. I'm not saying it's good for anybody. No. Yeah. No, it's it's yeah. It's, it seems like YouTube and like Twitch and all these other platforms are trying to protect themselves yeah. because it's a liability for them to even allow this content to exist mm-hmm. in general. And, it's and, scary. And people don't understand. I mean, it's happened to us, but that's yeah. that's why Twitch is trying to protect themselves. Twitch like will just ban people quickly when someone reports it, and then everyone gets upset and yells at Twitch. And it's like I get it, and Twitch <clears> does need a better system, but they're trying to basically be like it's easier for us to make mistakes and accidentally remove people than to get a giant lawsuit for something being on our platform Mm -hmm. that shouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like for a lot of these, a lot of these channels, it's already become stressful enough that demonetization and the apocalypse has struck YouTube multiple times over and over and over again. And like, we've seen it too. And you're constantly having to play the game of the algorithm and trying to, you know, maximize views and all that sort of stuff. We make one third of revenue on YouTube now than we did two years ago. Mm -hmm. One third. And we've tripled the uh, sub number. Yeah. At least. Yeah. At least. And we're not a big YouTube channel. So just imagine if you're a giant YouTuber you know, and you're making two thirds less revenue. Mm-hmm. You got to get those thirty thousand dollars sponsored posts on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, for real. And I mean, I think that's bid. that's what a lot of people have been leaning towards. Is like, yeah. okay, we got to get a lot more sponsored stuff. But like, not every company has millions of dollars that they can just bl- like throw at a bunch of YouTubers at the yeah. same time yeah. because of Adpocalypse. And not every like very good content creator can secure those kind of deals. Yeah, exactly. Like, there are so many like mid-range channels on YouTube that are killing it and making yeah. awesome content that make the platform so great but they can't secure those deals. No, yeah. no. And I honestly believe the reason we've been able to work with so many amazing YouTubers is they're looking for options. Mm-hmm. They're in a position scary. now where they need to find new ways to do content. Yeah. And we give them an opportunity to come experiment and they have fun, but we couldn't have done that years ago because they would have been like, I'm making great money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like people are nervous. So they're I mean, I, I always tell people, don't be married to a single platform. Yeah. You need to diversify. You need to try the amount of effort you put into one, you need to put into all because if one fails, you still have somewhere else that you can potentially go. And when they all fail, well, then we all have to start looking for new jobs. Yeah. Um, okay. So we should probably do these rapid fire. Yes. Um, rapid fire. We have questions. Sixty second answer or less. That's easy. Okay. Yes. Uh, we have questions from the patrons. If you want to figure, if you want to su- submit a question for the show, Patreon.com/slash/hyperrpg. The first question comes from Calvin Hunt in the Hyper Homies tier. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, what new tech would you like to implement this year if you get the chance? Robots. Robots. Oh, AI. <laughs> 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 Shit. <laughs> Skynet. They could do our jobs. I know. God, no. Uh, if time and money were no object, is there anyone from the creative industry you would like to interview or have on as a guest? Jordan Peele. Terry, I prepared answers. Terry Crews. <laughs> I say Terry Crews still. I still want him on really bad. Camille. Uh, He's Jack Kamel now. Johnny? Yeah. <laughs> he's Jack now. Wait, Johnny? you didn't want him before he was Jack? Well, he's I mean, Jack I now. still would have, but now he's, I don't know, he's a hunk. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get that hunk on here. Um... Damn it. It's supposed to be 60 seconds or less. Gary Vaynerchuk. 
I want to see what his insight is. I want to know what he thinks about other platforms. Oh, I've been, met him. I know. He's been so like okay. YouTube and Instagram heavy. I want to know like what are your thoughts on TikTok and, and Twitch in particular? Because he started Twitch and then he kind of abandoned it. And I want to know why. Um, what, is, what are some of your own and Hyper's big and small goals for the year? We already talked about that. Yeah. Uh, next question comes from Andrew Gray, who is also in the Hyper Homies Theater. Thank you. Tier, thank you so much. Are you guys planning on doing more collaborations with people who aren't typically seen on Twitch? An example would be like having Brandon Cutler on for more D&D stuff, not necessarily wrestling, wrestling related. Thanks for all the cool stuff you guys do and keep talking up X-Men comics. Yes. Yeah, yep. answer to that is yeah. Yes. We are always looking for people to work with us who are not accustomed to Twitch mm -hmm. and come from outside in the media world. It's just hard to get a hold of them because they work a lot differently. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, running on chain from the Gritos. <laughs> Hello there. Is there a crew of Hyper RPG? Uh, is the crew of Hyper RPG excited to attend any conventions this year? If so, will there, will there be any IRL live so streams? So Gen Con has already made an internal bid for us to continue doing what we did for them mm -hmm. last year, this year. So that's uh, so Gen Con high likelihood, yeah. yeah. And then uh, if you're going to TwitchCon EU, let us know because I want to go to Amsterdam. I'm sure we will at least be president. Present at and or president or president <laughs> at San Diego Comic Con. Yeah, we'll have a presence. We'll be there. I, I don't know what we'll do. Yeah, Stream. we've. Uh, yeah, we can easily just go down for the weekend. And Look, then, uh, if anything, we'll go down and get California burritos with you guys. Yep. Yeah, and there's some LA cons, Paramorphicon, yeah. E3, Anime Expo. I don't know if I'm gonna go to any of those. <laughs> <laughs> Zach will stay home and watch movies. Dude, I mean, this year we only went to a couple cons, and I liked it way better. The year yeah. before, we tried to go to so many, and it tanked. It's it tiring. Was, it was tough, it's and it nearly tanked us. We, we minimized, focused on what was really good for us, and it seemed to work better. I want to go to CCXP and party with all the people in Brazil. Ha <laughs> uh, ha! Final question comes from Jamaica Raquel Hayes. Thank you so much. Also from the Gritos uh, on Patreon. For Harper RPG, there are four main peeps running the main operations, but three paid, correct? Yep. Do you have plans to add more paid stuff in the future? If so, what can we as the audience do more to help assist you with that? Well, paid we staff, have I say. Take that a one. production <laughs> assistant, part-time intern-type mm. person. Oh, we do have a part-time. His name's... Wes Marshall. Yes. He's really cool. And w I He's would very like active on all of our social Follow him on TikTok. Yeah. And, and I would like to have more people like that because mm -hmm. I also see it as kind of a mentorship. And For we sure. have so much knowledge to impart on people. Yeah. I'm not paid. Facts. That's, it, you are correct. There's I four am. people on the team. Uh, only three are on the payroll. Uh, as an owner. We just split the income. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. But as an owner, I kind of took a, you know, for the good of the company, I took a backseat to say, let's make the company grow this way. Um, but we would love to hire more people in the future. And you could We'd love to hire up. Zach officially. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, I would love to not... Uh, try to take all my wife's money whenever I just want to get a haircut. Um, so Or eat a bagel. Or eat a bagel or anything like that. <laughs> um, uh, ways to ways to help uh, us reach those goals of like paying more people and getting help like assistance around here. I think just, you know, obviously you're already doing this, Jamaica, as a patron, uh, but, you know, supporting us on Patreon and Twitch and yep. subscribing on Twitch, like literal like monetary support obviously helps and that's like subscribers the, the on twitch way. help way more than people realize we make on average right now 5k left less per month on our subscribers than we did a year and a half ago yeah on twitch and we don't like that's you a, get a that's free a one with person. your twitch with yeah. amazon twitch prime, prime amazon prime yeah. you can just it's free for you but overall but we don't push it that hard because we focus on the content mm -hmm. more and we've reduced our hours live to do better content and sadly the result of that has been less money 
It's like we're mm-hmm. making better shows, but because we're live less, we have less subscribers, mm-hmm. and we're losing like 5K a month from that. So, you know, subscribing on Twitch goes a long way. It seems like not much, but in the long term, that 5K a month is, it would have been my salary. And not everybody can, <laughs> not everybody can pay. So right. it's like if uh, a lot of you, like we, we work in a very niche space and we make very niche content. content. Uh, if you have any friends that you think might be interested in this kind of thing, just totally. spread, spread the word. Let them know. If that you play you board games or any sort of like role-playing stuff with your friends or you just love storytelling or movies or TV. Question for you. We yeah. had you on our first board game playthrough that just mm-hmm. dropped on YouTube, the mm-hmm. Batman game. Did you have fun? Yeah, because I know the Batman universe pretty well. <laughs> but <laughs> so you I, had a good time. Yeah, it was fun. Even though I won? <laughs> oh, yeah, it was you fun. Were on a, okay, like, let's talk about this for a little bit. <laughs> I feel like... I should have. Like we got to wrap it up because we got to go live. I, I but know, first. but you know, I feel like I should have warned everyone <laughs> at the up. table because I started seeing very early in that playthrough <laughs> your <laughs> tactics and the way you do things. I'm just like these boys didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, Malika was playing all y'all. I, I went in fully prepared to lose, and so I just took advantage of being being able to do Mr. Freeze impressions the sure. whole time. You went as far as to manipulate Ross and Hector Play into moves. <laughs> The one when you just straight up lied, where you told Hector, like, I can help. Make the move. I can help. The second, the second he moves, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I was like, we're fucking ruthless. And that's you our know, CEO, I, ladies and Everybody else is there to have a good time, and Malika's like, uh, I'm going to chew gonna, you all win this. I came from behind, guys. I had the lowest stats out of anybody. No, no, no. no. I, you did you not know? come from behind. You were in the lead from the first turn. Hector only won one role in that whole freaking game. No, you were you were way ahead. Mm, you were fine. You yeah. were fine. I had to edit that thing over a course of two weeks and just watch you like sit here and do these things where you're like, <laughs> manipulating the whole board. This is the fun that Lucas and I get to experience every single day while uh-huh. we're here. Um, you said you had a challenge for us. Oh, you know, I did, but as, after we talked about how shitty TikTok is <laughs> <laughs> and how it might be a... Uh, <laughs> Might be the Chinese government's grant. way to infiltrate all of us and get our face, face on facial recognition so we can all die. Uh, my uh, my challenge was going to be, let's see who can start a TikTok and have the most followers by next week. Oh, I'm in. Oh, shit. <laughs> Even after the conversation we just had. I told you. I called this. I told you. The first thing Zach said was like, Malik is going to be in for it no matter what. I think it'd be fun to uh, if the four of us started a TikTok with our own just individual styles mm. and whatever brand we want to make. And it's s- my dog. Come back next week and then even next month. Oh, next it's your year. dog? You get to use the dog? You, you can't use, use the kaiju? dog. Okay, no kaijus allowed. <laughs> It'll be kaiju versus That's Huck. cheating. Uh, all right. We, we could come back and revisit this a month, a year from now and see just what kind of styles. Yeah. That's okay. Vibe. Uh, we, I hate this. Uh, well, uh, actually, I, I really love that idea. Kind of like, you know, the beginning of Amelie, my favorite movie. Um... Everybody has like their own bio, but it's mm-hmm. in a different style. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and you, they talk about their quirks. I yeah. thought all of us as kind of director, filmmaker people could uh. do uh, uh, like <laughs> about <laughs> me, but yeah. in the style of like a director they love. Mm-hmm. Oh, that'd be cool. Interesting. Zach's like, I want to die inside. (laughs) I don't even want to open the fucking app. (laughs) We'll see. You might find something entertaining in there. I'm sure I will. And then it'll go to making something. I'm going to be like, I got to make all this shit for this channel. I don't want to sit here and think about this stuff. I got to go get get the stream upstairs. We're going live at four. I got to go do that. You can put whatever you want on there, man. Just put that on TikTok. You can just put up some Twitch clips. From our channel. Just put up you just getting really just, you know, fired up. Did Uh, did we uh, miss this uh, last question number five? Ah, yes. Uh. So from Davlin in the Gritos, uh, last question. Uh, Greetings, everyone. I always like to get to know people better. So I will pick pick one of these questions just so we can wrap up. What are your favorite YouTube channels to watch? 
For me, I love watching Peter McKinnon, uh, Jesse Driftwood, Gary Vaynerchuk, um, Philly D, um, and a lot of other tech people on KBHD, Sarah Dietschy. Yeah. Potato Jet. Potato Jet's great. That's, that's the that's my number one. Yeah, that's the one that great. like I'm. That's a recent to, discovery in the last like Jet. five six months. And I like I don't watch crank gameplays and I never will, but I will leave a comment on almost every video. Who? <laughs> <laughs> oh. poor, poor Ethan. <laughs> uh, I'm a big fan of Captain Disillusion. You should check out his stuff. Yeah. He makes really really high like concept. Uh, special effect videos and I uh, other than that um, a lot of bullshit (laughs) Um, a whole ton of bullshit I've been really liking a lot of the people that are doing stuff with uh, Sony a7 though yes Uh, Peter Schiffer and Daniel Lundgren Lundgren Lundgren, uh, and Peter McKinnon as well yeah uh, I follow all the food people. Cooking with a dog, Mangchi, Taste Made, Cooking with Jaoja, like all those people. Yeah. Especially if they're some kind of ethnic grandma that teach you how to make delicious food. What's the, that's a follow. What's the Korean woman? Mangchi. Yeah, I'll go up to our bedroom sometimes, and Malika <coughs> will have it on the TV, and it's like this woman who is like oh, almost oh, ASMR. It's doll. like ASMR. It's yes. like ASMR yes. of cooking. cooking. She yes. uses a Sony, too, and it's yeah, just like... Yeah. She has two. Malika, please send me that link. Yes. um, And it's just like the most calming and peaceful stuff ever. It's so peaceful. It makes me uncomfortable. (laughs) It discomforts me, the sounds. I don't like certain sounds. Like water drips and shit. I hate that. Yeah. Like, like, I hate that shit. My favorite new trend on YouTube, to me, is domestic ASMR. It's not people talking about mm-hmm. weird stuff. It's people like quietly chopping on a wooden chopping people board. People, so, someone folding clothes. <laughs> I'm like, Marie Kondoing their shit. She loves that stuff. I'll fall it's asleep so to it. It, put, it helps put me to sleep, but yeah. I can't father watch yelling it. at me in the distance. Who <laughs> 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 like this shit on the floor? Uh, <laughs> oh yes. my god, we should the do the sounds of the domestic. We should do a domestic ASMR channel where you think it's gonna be that. There's <laughs> yeah. all this shit in the background. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, this podcast is most fun. Who the fuck left the back door open? You think this is a barn? Hey, grab me another beer while you're out there. <laughs> Somebody go feed the dog and get a beer out of the fridge. Who the fuck didn't take out the trash? <laughs> and you just There's only one of you here besides me. I know it was you. <laughs> you recording one of those dumb videos again? Get out of here. I feel like we should just start a TikTok for like the whole crew. <laughs> that would be amazing. Why is your door locked? I'm going to kick this shit down. What are you filming in there? <laughs> This is an insight into Lucas and Zach's life, <laughs> clearly. Clearly. Oh, my God. So you're getting to know Storm and Norman a little too well. <laughs> oh, man. It's good stuff. Um, I, think we, I think it's time for us to wrap this out and yeah. get the hell out of here it's and go fun. do other work. Uh, we need to go run a studio live. Yeah. Uh, four o'clock every single day on Twitch. Jump over. Check out what we're doing. And then, obviously, make sure you guys check out everything that we're doing here on YouTube as well. And link up with us. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the social media platforms. LinkedIn. LinkedIn. TikTok. TikTok coming soon. Let us know, though, because like we we love getting feedback from the audience, and that's one of the most important elements of everything that we do here is like we want to hear from you guys. Ideas for videos, ideas for shows, or ideas on if you find a piece of tech that you think would be beneficial to us that we could maybe implement in the future. Like We want to know all that stuff because I literally, as we were sitting here, I got three notifications for things that I want to talk about next week already. Oh, nice. Uh, Some stuff relating relating to AI that I'm like, I can't even believe I just read this headline. Mm. Um, 
A lot of interesting stuff. If you guys are listening on the podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever this thing ends up being, uh, make sure you guys give a like, comment on there as well, refer to your friends, uh, and tell them to come over. Come over and hang out with us every single week because we have a lot of fun doing this stuff. And we really appreciate you guys sitting through this 90 minutes of us just being us. And it was really fun. I'm glad we did this. I'm glad yeah. we decided to pull the trigger and do yeah, this. Yeah, it's okay. Eh, go fuck yourself, Zach. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.